shit, it's the coin toss. One surprise topic off the rip, two sides of a coin. There's no Thursday night game this week, and John is still making his way back from Colorado, so we're just going to revert back to the old four-sided coin. But first, Trey, since it's your favorite, heads or tails? Oh boy, uh, the old four-sided coin, the bane of my existence. Let's go with heads. Heads? Oh, he got it, look at that. Nice, look at Trey. That. Look at that. Give look at the, that. Give me the ball, then. He wants the ball. All right, so four-sided. The AFC has four teams, in my opinion, with realistic hopes of getting that seventh seed. Those teams are the Dolphins at eight and seven, and they're in the driver's seat, I guess, right now for that seed. Uh, the Chargers at eight and seven, the Raiders at eight and seven, and the Ravens at eight and seven. Which team you actually think makes it to the dance? Ooh, boy. Um so I definitely like the Chargers uh, to get that seven seed here. And uh, I think the schedule works out nicely for the Chargers at the end of the season here. Uh, they're at home against Denver this weekend. I think they're a much better team than Denver. Uh, Denver's basically already given up this year. And then their uh, week 18 game is at Las Vegas, uh, who you mentioned. I think they'll beat Vegas uh, head up. Uh, I don't know that the Dolphins and the Ravens are going to be lucky enough to win out. So yeah, give me the Chargers. Even after the the loss, the Texans. Yeah, I think they'll be pissed, and I think they'll be fighting for that playoff spot. Yeah, so I think they'll bounce back. All right, T, there are three other sides of this coin. Who you got? Well, um, I guess I'm going to take the Ravens. Uh, they play the Steelers uh, on January 9th, and they play the Rams uh, this weekend on January 2nd. So uh, in order for me to uh, convert this prediction, they're going to have to upset the Rams this week. Um, it's just that, you know, obviously, um, because of this exercise, I can't pick the chargers and I do not think the dolphins are real. I mean, they've made history. They're the first team in NFL history to have both a seven game losing streak and a seven game winning streak in the same season. But that is a subprime mortgage crisis of a seven game winning streak. Like they have, taken on some cake matchups and I, and I think the Titans are going to shellac them this weekend. Um, and yeah, the Raiders are the Raiders. Uh, so, so give me the Ravens. Um, but yeah, good pick Trey. I'll just say that. Derek, I hate to break it to you, man. Dolphins are real. Like just, just so you know, but, they, um, I'm they actually are in fact real fish. They are real. <laughs> um, I, I actually they're like mammals, that. Trey. Shut up. They swim in the ocean. You don't know what a mammal is. Yeah, he's not wrong. No, I like the Raiders here, man. Uh, John Madden. No, just, you don't. You know, Come on. No, no. I think he and Al Davis are going to team up, man, and get the get the Raiders to the playoffs here. This Their spirit. Their yeah. spirit. R.I.P. John Madden. What... The fuck is going on, everyone? Welcome into the Long Game Dynasty podcast, a weekly roundtable discussion about Dynasty fantasy football. With me this week, Trey Cryan and Mitch Yates. Trey, what's going on, man? Good to have you back. How was your holiday? I'm good. Uh, happy Festivus to both of you guys. For the rest of us. Yeah, it's good to be back, man. Uh, got a birthday coming up here soon, so uh, another year older and wiser and... Uh, yeah, looking forward to that. But uh, no, besides that, just uh, digging in and watching a lot of football over the weekend. I enjoyed our uh, seven-day weekend of uh, NFL games. 
Indeed, indeed. Mitch, what's going on with you, man? Man, just chilling watching football. Um, it sucks that Trey and I could not actually get together in this upcoming bowl game. That is not happening anymore at the, the Fenway Bowl. So that's too bad, but uh, we'll, we'll all get together soon. Yeah, it's a bummer, man. It's uh, the Fenway Bowl went the uh, way of a lot of other bowls this time of year. So uh, it's it sucks for the guys, uh, for Jordan and for his teammates uh, that they couldn't play in the bowl game. But uh, a lot of other schools going through the same thing right now. Yeah. And I just want to give like a, a little bit of background for any new listeners we might have. Mitch's brother, Jordan Curley, is a wide receiver for the SMU Mustangs. So we uh, often bring them up. Um, so, yeah, look them up. Uh, go get you a a number one jersey uh, for the Mustangs. Mitch, is he going to be back next year? Is, oh, yeah. is that is yep. that is that info that we can share here on the pod? That's a thing. He will be returning to the uh, to the Mustangs this upcoming awesome. year. All right, pony up. Uh, hey Trey or Mitch, you guys got any uh, finals matchups coming up this week? Man, I did, but I just got absolutely smoked by Corey in our uh, show league. So. No, I'm I'm out of the the dynasty uh, playoffs now with uh, that last uh, loss this weekend. Uh, I think even if I had to play it all the uh, the sit start matchups perfectly, I think Corey still would have beat me. So, uh, you know, I'm I'm licking my wounds over here, but uh, but cheering for him for the uh, the first championship in the show league. So, uh, good job, Corey, and uh, get her done. Well, you know what they always say, Trey. There's always next year. Mitch, what about you? Well, didn't quite make it to the finals in our home league, unfortunately, but I definitely had the worst team in the playoffs, so it's all gravy, baby. I kind <laughs> of expected that one, but no, I'm in two finals. One is uh, with the team that you and I co-manage, and the other finals matchup is in the TLG Phoenix League. It was, in my opinion, supposed to be me and John in the finals there, but our good buddy Bill took John out of that equation, so it's me against Bill there. And Okay. I'm in two redraft finals, so I'm feeling pretty good about my season this year. I hope to take at least two of those this year and make some money, but ah, fuck it. Let's go for four. How, how many of those teams had Cooper Cup on them? Uh, at least two, but I don't think he was actually the key to my success there. Uh, maybe if we tune in next week, we can do a little deep dive on that. <laughs> yeah, that sounds good. I like it. Uh I am in two dynasty finals. Uh, like Mitch said, the team we co-manage in the breakout league is going. We're big underdogs there, but, you know, we're hoping for an upset. Um, and and then there's this orphan that I picked up about halfway through the season, a league that Mitch is in, that he really had to convince me to take over. And I immediately got in. I It was kind of a, a disaster of a team. And I sold Saquon Barkley and Alvin Kamara for a bunch of firsts and Michael Carter and T. Higgins, and I stumbled into the final. So, you know, or orphans are fun. Um, so thank you, Mitch, uh, for for convincing me to join that league. And shout out to those guys. Yeah, you got it, man. Yeah, well done. And good luck, guys. All right. So let's kick off uh, the main portion of this show. The first thing we want to talk about is just a quick news hit. Probably the biggest news out of the weekend for Dynasty purposes, and that was James Robinson unfortunately rupturing his left Achilles. This is def devastating. Um, a rough injury historically for running backs, at least with the data we have, but we may be getting some more promising data points between Deontay Foreman kind of having a, having a resurgence recently. Marlon Mack looked 
not bad earlier this year before JT just took off uh, on his supernova journey. And now Cam Akers, uh, maybe we'll see a little bit of him after like four months, which is insane. So what are we thinking in the wake of this for both James Robinson's value as well as what it does for that first round running back, Travis Etienne? Yeah, so I, I mean, I'm glad you pointed out Foreman, Mac, and Akers here, because if you look at those three guys, it does look like the Achilles injury isn't necessarily the death note that it was, you know, 10, 15 years ago or whatever. So, you know, it, it absolutely sucks for James Robinson, definitely pulling for him to bounce back and make that full recovery. Uh, in terms of dynasty value, I mean, yes, this absolutely helps Travis Etienne. It, it makes a clearer path for production at the beginning of next season. He is much less likely to have, you know, competition for touches and reps in training camp from James Robinson than he would have otherwise. So, I mean, if you're an ETN manager, then it's absolutely, you know, good news for him. Uh, for J-Rob, I think this might open up a little bit of a buy window for sure. And I say that anytime a guy gets uh, hurt like this, which, you know, um, let's see kind of where the value bottoms out at and, you know, yeah. potentially... J Rob with a new coaching staff coming in next year, you know, maybe he's in a different situation, you know, maybe he kind of goes the same way as acres and Foreman and makes that full recovery and, and yeah, and he, and he bounces back to full strength. So yeah, I mean, it's definitely a hit, but I'd be looking to see kind of what that price check is there. Yeah. I, it's a devastating injury for sure. And for me with J Rob, I don't know it. <sighs> It just hurts. It hurts to it's see bad. a guy like it just hurts to see a guy a guy like J Rob get that injury. You know, yeah. just it, he doesn't undrafted have free yeah, agent. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's he's fought a lot to get there for sure. And now, and now, like what you kind of have to treat him like a draft pick. Your expectations for next year can't be very high. You can't expect him to come back and do anything. Your expectations need to be on a twenty twenty three, like. If it, you could ex expect him to maybe come back and be in camp and maybe get off the PUP list or something like that, but not like help your fantasy team is what I'm saying. So, yeah, that's fair. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, I'm not a doctor. None of us are a doctor. I mean, I think like between Deontay Foreman, Marlon Mack and Cam Akers, I would probably put James Robinson kind of in the Deontay Foreman category because, you know, he's not a speed guy. He's a big guy. He's a thumper, right? And that's kind of what Deontay Foreman was. And it took him a couple years to crawl back to relevance. But what James Robinson has done in his first two years is just out of the universe when it, when you compare it to Deontay Foreman. Um, so, you know, I, I think what Trey said is important. We need to track where he bottoms out because the bottom is coming, right? Like he's going to keep falling, like where he is on keep trade cut where he's going to shake out in, you know, January ADP of DLF, that's not going to be his bottom, right? Yeah, probably not. We're going to have to wait probably about a month or two to really find where his bottom is. Um, and then, you know, we can talk about buying from there. All right. Um, so beyond James Robinson, uh, before we move on to the first half, uh, Mitch, I think you have uh, something to say. Oh, definitely. I got something to say. All right, man. Carson Wentz really pisses me off. You heard the news, right? He's got COVID and he's unvaccinated. I mean, how fucking on brand is that? He's going to miss the last week of the fantasy season. And honestly, guys, I'd be more surprised if the news read Carson Wentz may be able to play in an important game for his team because he took a precaution. Like, for fuck's sake, man, <laughs> Carson Wentz cannot spell precaution. Like, Carson <laughs> Wentz is the type of guy that can relate to the phrase 
two sprained ankles are better than one. Like, <laughs> Carson Wentz doesn't understand why the Colts are named after Colt McCoy. Like, I fucking hate him. I fucking hate Carson Wentz, and I'm tired of his ass. And in Superflex, uh, if I've ever had a feeling about trying to go get him, uh, it'll never surface again. Oh, yeah, I, I know Mitch and Trey have been, you know, very low on Carson Wentz relative to me and John. Um, so... Yeah, Trey, I imagine you're feeling relatively similar. Yeah, well, well put, man. I mean, Wentz, he was punching way above his weight class for the last couple of weeks of the season. And uh, this is just par for the course with him. But so I, I, I love it, Mitch. You know, I, I discount like this sort of narrative, but I mean, absolutely. <laughs> like I will, I will 100% buy in when it comes to Carson Wentz. <laughs> Yeah, him being unvaccinated and like an unvaccinated idiot is is definitely par for the course. Yeah, later, dude. <laughs> All right, let's kick off this first half. And, you know, we're actually going to kind of ditch the insight format this week. I'm calling this episode finals week freestyle because we essentially just chose four topics that we want to talk about as we head into finals week. Um, so the first of those four topics I want to talk about the new wagon offense in the NFL, and that's the Cincinnati Bengals offense. You know, they had a historic day this past weekend. I think Joe Burrow was the first quarterback to throw over 900 yards against one team uh, in, in any single season. So Joe Burrow is just absolutely on fire. He's been among the best rated quarterbacks on pro football focus all season. And as recently as a few weeks ago, I personally was holding firm on preferring Russell Wilson over him. Now, obviously, since then, I've changed my mind. But where does he fall for you guys? And are you buying and selling at what's going to be a new, very high price in Superflex? Yeah, buying, probably not. Drafting in a startup? Yeah, that's that's where I'm getting my buy. And selling? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I've mentioned before that I'd be into selling. Um, I have him at quarterback really? five. Yeah, yeah. I have him at quarterback five right now. And that's right outside of the dudes like Kyler, uh, Herbert, Mahomes, Allen. And I don't know. It's tough for me to see him stepping into that top, top, top tier conversation. Let's not forget he's quarterback eight right now. So even after everything that he's done, he's still quarterback eight. And like, I look, I think the sky's the limit wheels up for Joe Burrow, but he's not quite there yet for me. So, yeah, if I'm I, I'd sell him if, if somebody thinks that he's there. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, I guess I'm I, I don't know what more you want to see from Joe Burrow at this point, because I think this is exactly what you hope for out of a young uh, quarterback, you know, coming into his second season. Like he's absolutely blossomed as a pro level passer, like. He's leading the the Rams level like offensive attack in Cincinnati, a, a poverty franchise. So, no, I love it for Joe Burrow. I mean, keep trade cut has, has him at QB five right now, virtually tied with Lamar Jackson. And I think, you know, looking at the next two to three seasons, you know, I would probably put Jackson over Burrow. So that's why I've got him down at six. But for me, he's absolutely a hold at six because I could, you know, definitely see him you know, continuing to grow in that offense and in that system. So Mitch, can I like ask to refine your take on potentially selling? Do you mean like if you can get one of your top four quarterbacks for him straight up or like even you'll add a little bit on top of Joe Burrow to get them or like what does your sell mean? It means that I would take a quarterback in like the top 10 
like somebody lower ranked than him for him and uh and plus i think i mentioned this on another episode like you you asked me about trevor lawrence now i wouldn't do trevor lawrence in a first for burrow i would need more than that of course but i'd be willing to take a hit in the younger like the justin fields category maybe and other assets and like just stockpiling assets right because i think burrow like even though wheels up for him and even though this offense looks great like I don't know how much better he can look. I don't know how much higher his value is going to be. And so if we're selling at peak value, that could be now. So I think I could get a lot for Burrow is what I'm saying. Yeah, I think you could get a lot for Burrow. I think maybe the other side of that uh, rhetorical you just made was that they have been a pretty low passing volume offense this year. Um, and you can kind of argue that either way. So it's like, okay, he's outperforming his volume, you know, with really high efficiency right now. But the other way you could make it is like, what if the volume goes up because they're not as efficient moving forward or they, they have to throw more or whatever, right? So you can kind of fall on either side of that equation. I don't know, Trey, what do you think? I mean, I guess it obviously it all depends on what you can get for him, but I, I don't see him necessarily like regressing from where he's at right now like sure it's possible but i think looking at what he's done over his first two years like that's absolutely the ideal trajectory for what you want in a young quarterback and yeah you're right like this offense has a ton of upside in it based on like increased passing volume you know increased efficiency jamar chase taking a second year jump after after like you know already a record-setting rookie season so yeah i think there's there's a lot to like about that situation and I would not, it would take a lot for me to sell Burrow out of, you know, a QB six value right now. Like I would need to get something closer to like Josh Allen level for me to be willing to let go of him right now. Uh, and speaking of that offense and those weapons, you mentioned, you mentioned Jamar Chase. So let's talk about the receivers. Jamar Chase is either wide receiver one, uh, or wide receiver two for all four of us in Dynasty. I believe Mitch and John have him as wide receiver one right now, and me and Trey have him as wide receiver two. But man, these last couple weeks, T. Higgins has just proven himself a stud coming back from the injury. And I think he's at at the very least the one B in that offense, and I don't even know if that's fair. So how far apart should Jamar Chase and T. Higgins be valued, Trey? Yeah. So, I mean, look, T Higgins, that's uh that's touchdown regression, just hitting super hard right there. So oh, yeah. <laughs> regression remains undefeated there for sure. So <laughs> zoom out a little bit, right? Look at the, look at the big picture of the season here, because if you look at the season as a whole, uh, Jamar chase is currently wide receiver 11 in points per game with 16.3 and T Higgins is actually wide receiver 12 with 16.1. So they are right there. They're neck and neck in points per game on the year. Uh, and by the way, Trey, that's being the 24th passing offense in the NFL. Right. Yeah. Like I said, man, there's there's some room for upside there for sure. And, and so Chase had 23.7% uh, target share. T. Higgins had 24.8%. So slightly more, but still very, very close. We know Chase got it done with a lot of really lucky efficiency in terms of yards per catch and his touchdown rate this year. So I think it's fair to expect Chase to command a little bit more volume in year two, probably should be higher than T. Higg because I think there is still that upside there. Whereas I think T. Higg is probably a little bit closer to what his long-term ceiling is going to be. So I definitely like Jamar Chase as the number two receiver right now in Dynasty. I like T. Higgins in that wide receiver uh, 10 range. 
just because I think ultimately Chase is going to kind of be that 1A and T will be that 1B. And I don't see a ton of upside for T. Higg beyond that, you know, wide receiver 12, low end wide receiver 1 in the points per game uh, scoring. Okay, man, I am curious to see how many T. Higgins jerseys get bought after winning these fantasy championships for people, though. (laughs) My goodness, he single-handedly removed me from a finals matchup upcoming. So thank you, Mr. Higgins. Thank you for that. But yeah, I think in all fairness, we have to consider him a top 10 wide receiver in Dynasty. I, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you have to. And it's not just Agreed. we're we're not overreacting after one big ass game or anything like that. Like, dude, the guy's good. The guy's big. And you can't take away how big he is from him. Like, I mean, him jumping up, high pointing those balls. I mean, my God, how, how do you defend that? And this offense is crazy. Yeah. Uh, still Chase, Chase and Burrow, you know, those two are two peas in a pod and that's got to be 1A, but I agree with you, Trey. T is right there. Yeah, I mean, that's a great place to be in uh, with two uh, top 10 dynasty wide receivers. Uh, and and it, yeah, I've, I've already said what I want to say about Burrow. It's, it's a great I guess, situation. okay, let, let me push both of you a little bit. Like, how much of T. Higgins outperforming Jamar Chase are you going to have to see for it to be like, okay, maybe Jamar Chase isn't 1A. It's literally just like 1-1 one, one, or eventually T. Higgins overtakes him, right? Because, you know, since T. Higgins came back from his injury, he has been outperforming Jamar Chase and out-targeting Jamar Chase. Yeah, but Jamar Chase is also a rookie, you know? Like, right, he, right, he's, right, done, right. he's done amazing for his rookie season, but we expect Jamar Chase to take that second-year jump, whereas T. Higgins is going to be going on year three, right? So, um, I mean, yeah, I'll give it four or eight weeks next season and then i'll adjust accordingly if like you know the targets are still very much in higgins favor but uh i think it's fair going through the offseason to approach it with chase having a more upside than higgins at this point yeah honestly would take me the entire year next year to clear this (laughs) up for me seriously i'd have to look at it through the lenses of after next year when they both had and they would have to both play like be healthy too because i mean mitch like I know that that's not true because Jamar Chase, <laughs> if Jamar Chase came out and had like a Robert Woods type season, you know, and T Higgins was having that Cooper Cup type season, I know you would switch it in your ranks. Like after like seeing that for about a month, like that's in the range of outcomes. Here. Yeah. If we're saying that T Higgins is going to come in there and and eat his lunch in front of him and then, yeah, if, if he's going to go do that, sure. But if it's close and if T Higgins is winning by a little bit, I'm still going to air team chase i guess that's what i'm trying to say got yeah. it got it yeah plus or minus plus or minus one percent target share sure but once you get like five ten percent then yeah there's a clear winner there okay all right let's close out this Bengals conversation by talking about the running back so it was actually like a couple months ago that trey was like i think joe mixon is finally gonna have his top five season here and it kind of seemed like it would never happen and it did. So a uh, good call on that, Trey. He'll be entering his age 26 season in 2022. So what are we doing with him going into this offseason, Mitch? Well, we're hopping on that uh, Joe Mixon experience ride and getting our tickets and trying to see what what we can do if we don't have him. Like, you know, I chose the wait and see route. I, I waited. I wanted to, to see him prove it. I talked a lot of shit about his injury concerns at times and, you know, still at times he looks kind of like a soccer player out there. He, he goes down and looks really bad and he's completely okay. So, but, you know, that's all right. That's him. But he's played every single game this year and yeah. 
He's running back three, I believe. Like, yeah, top five. Yeah, he's he's arrived, and it's good to see. And when you watch the Bengals games, he's a big part of their offense, and it's what everybody who's been a Joe Mixon truther wanted to see. And yeah. I'm okay being late to the party. Like, that's all right with me. And uh, if I'm going to contend next year, then I'm going to try and see what I can do, see if I can get him on my squad. Yeah, Mitch, I don't think it's too complicated here at all. You know, uh, he's uh, running back five in points per game. He's got 18.2 PPR points per game. Outscored Najee Harris, Dalvin Cook, Alvin Kamara, DeAndre Swift, all guys that we all had ranked higher going into this season. It's, like I said, it's simple. Uh, Mixon is a buy or a hold for contenders at that running back nine price on keep trade cut. And he's a sell if you're rebuilding because he's getting a little bit older. So um, yeah, there's <laughs> don't make it complicated there. Yeah, the, the Bengals are going to be better next year. We're all saying the Bengals are going to be better. And that means more points for Mixon. And Mixon's entering that like that prime year, right? Next yeah. year could be incredible. So if, age 26 is usually the apex year uh, for running backs. He's, so. he's the running back nine on keep trade cut right now. So at that price, if you can get like a reliable running back one, I mean, you, you pay it if you're a contender and uh, you can exactly. you know, peel him away from somebody who needs to rebuild or reset or whatever. Mm-hmm. Okay, enough said. So the Bengals are exciting. Uh, we're going to end the episode by talking about a still exciting offense, but maybe not as exciting as we thought. But For now, uh, let's move into the second segment. And what we're going to talk about here is some early off-season buys. So each of us is going to talk about a player that we think is going to offer a really nice buying window once the season ends here and we get into the off-season. So early off-season buys. Mitch, let's start with you. Yeah, and the guy I'm looking for is Scary Terry, Terry McLaurin here. He had a great start to the season, but he's had a really rough second half of it. And he might even be on your bench right now if you're still alive in your fantasy playoffs. The Washington football team is likely to miss the playoffs. And so you're not going to be able to watch him much on TV after the next two weeks. And if he puts up a couple more duds to end the season, you know, their current manager may not be as sweet on him as they once were. So... After all, like F1's going to be 27 years old at the start of the season next year, and God knows who their quarterback's going to be. So right now as it sits, Scary Terry's been consistent in PPR scoring. He's been wide receiver 25, 20, and currently he's at 29. And that's destined to go down a couple more if uh, if those games don't go his way. But his talent and his pop games are probably what's keeping him in that wide receiver 18 to 20 range on keep trade cut. But... Even still, I, I do believe that he's got that top 10 wide receiver potential. And I've I've seen enough in his ability for me to want to target him early. I, I think that the temperament on um, Terry McLaurin is just, it's not very hot right now. And people might be looking to move him early on before things start to change up in the offseason. So what do you guys think? Mitch, I love this. I love this, man. Uh, wide receiver 18 is a great call out. Uh, that is awesome value on a guy who I do think has top 10 potential. Um, You're right. Like he hasn't done it yet. Right. Like the best he's finished was last year at at wide receiver 20, but you're you're also right. Like the situation this year was about as bad as it could possibly be. Right. So whoever their quarterback is, it'll probably be better than, you know, 17 games of Taylor Heineke, you know? (laughs) So, uh, and he is probably going to have Curtis Samuel, maybe another wide receiver coming in free agency, help to take some of that uh, you know defensive pressure off of him as well. So 
Uh, now, this is a good call out. And at wide receiver 18, that's a screaming buy for me. Yeah. And, you know, Mitch, I'm actually kind of an example of somebody who is cooling on Terry McLaurin, like coming into this season. Uh, I had Terry McLaurin when I thought Ryan Fitzmagic was going to be throwing YOLO balls to him all year. I had him as, you know, a top eight wide receiver in Dynasty because like you, I'm very high on his talent. Right. And he's fallen to about wide receiver 15 for me. So I'm still ahead of the keep trade cut, you know, side of things. But I am cooling on him a bit. So if you're still a believer insofar as, you know, he's, you know, a borderline wide receiver one, then this is clearly a buying opportunity. I just I think I'm I actually don't have him on any of my dynasty teams. Um, And I'll be. You know, I and a couple of them I have been asking about Terry McLaurin, but I'm 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 starting to ask less is what I'll say, just because I'm 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 worried, you know, like it's just been three years of this. Right. And why should I be confident that the Washington football team will figure shit out? Oh, well, the, see, this is where the situation starts overcoming the the talent, right, here, unfortunately. Right. And so I, am I confident Washington's going to figure it out? Uh, no, not exactly. But they do have a couple good things going for them. They have a good young core. They have a good young defense. Gibson's not chop liver, right? Like Gibson's pretty good. And, uh, you know, situations change quickly. And yeah. Terry is incredible. So, again, like, yeah, he's going to be a big early target of mine, especially if people are cooling on him right after that season ends. Because the... The dynasty window usually opens up right like right after these uh, games are over, right after the Super Bowl or right after the fantasy Super Bowl. I'm not sure yeah. how it happens in your league, but that's way earlier than the offseason. So, OK, uh, so let's move on to my early offseason buy. And like this is so chalk that it's almost ridiculous, but I'm going to say rookie picks. Look, you're going to see 2022 rookie picks. You're going to see their value take another jump here in the near future. Like right after the season ends, if you're watching Keep Trade Cut, their value is going to go up. But that doesn't mean that you shouldn't still buy because guess what? They will continue to rise. So in the next month or two, especially the next month, use Keep Trade Cut as a tool. Just like keep track of where that 2022 first is on keep trade cut, because that's going to be a very efficient value barometer in the off season when no games are being played. And don't be afraid to pay that price knowing that while the players around that first round pick may, you know, fall rise a little bit. The one thing we always know is that first round picks value is going to, is going to keep rising. Right. So I just think in general, in the macro sense, rookie picks, Always a great buy early in the offseason. Yeah, this is a good call out before we get too close to the draft and, and too close to rookie fever, because the best time to buy rookie picks would have been about a month ago. Yeah. You know, when everybody was gearing up for their uh, their playoff run. Uh, now it's probably the second best time, you know, because it's a guarantee that they will accrue value between now and uh, whenever your rookie draft is. Well, especially when you hear the whispers of, ah, I don't know about this draft class. And yeah, especially right. with the, the quarterback situation, too, right? So if you are in a super flex league, normally the quarterbacks are going to be the ones going off the board very early. But this looks to be more of a position player early draft. Well, let's let's talk about that a little bit, Tarek. I mean, do you see like the fact that everybody's like talking shit about these quarterbacks and like this draft class? Do you see that as like opening up a buy window or do you think that that actually will 
depress the value of these picks when we get closer to uh, May or whenever your draft is at this point? I, I don't know if it's necessarily going to depress the value of picks in May because rookie fever always takes over. What it might do in the first couple months of the offseason is depress the value of the picks relative to 2023, right? And while 2023 looks like a really good rookie class, and I'm not going to take any way, anything away from that, like the, the time value of money is really real here, and you should be going after those 2022 picks if you can get them for a 2023 pick, right? Because, you know, I say this all the time on the podcast, but if you're a good manager, you know, take the value now and trust that you can make it up later, yeah. right? So basically, you know, I hear what you're saying. I think there may be a little bit of a depression, but where the opportunity is, is going to be relative to how much the 23 class is going to be hyped up. No, and I, I think really in summary here, you're saying that's probably going to be overstated, right? Like the whole like 2022 discount or whatever is probably going to be overstated to, you know, compared to reality. And I completely agree with you 100% there. Okay. All right, Trey, why don't you give us your early off season buy? Yeah. So this one is uh, maybe a little off the wall here, maybe not, but uh, I, I like Alan Robinson as a buy right now. And, um, you know, he was probably a good buy, you know, a month, a couple months ago, but I still think he's a good buy now. Um, a Rob's going to be a free agent this off season and he turns 29 in August. And yeah, he absolutely disappeared this season. But I am definitely willing to bet that the talent is still there with A-Rob. And I really don't think his situation can get any worse next year than it is this year, right? Like he's either playing with a new coach, with an improved Justin Fields, or he's playing on a new team entirely besides the Bears. So right now his cost on keep trade cut is down to wide receiver 49, which is currently the same range as guys like DJ Chark, Tyler Boyd, Christian Kirk. I would take A-Rob over all of those guys because A-Rob has top 12 upside that those guys do not. And I know there's some Christian Kirk fans in the mm -hmm. audience, but uh, I'm not one of them. So look, <laughs> the, the thing is, is you don't have to keep A-Rob either because I think his value at this point is just guaranteed to increase between now and the beginning of next season. So even if you don't want to ride with him into 2022, like getting him now and offloading him right before the season starts, I still think is uh, going to gain value at this point. Yeah, Trey, I'm, I'm definitely with you on the right now thing because did they make him any promises like that they wouldn't franchise tag him again, again, again? Uh, I don't know. I haven't, I haven't heard. I, I just know he's going to be a free agent. Man, so I, I, I hope he's. I don't, be I don't think they would. I don't think they would sink you know, a franchise tag number two on him again, yeah. but you know, anything could happen. But like you said, almost any situation is better than the situation he's been in here. And if a real contender decides to make a play, like we have, we all have our chiefs or green Bay fantasy, right. Or wherever Aaron Rodgers is like, yeah, those exist. But even if he went to a team with a not so great quarterback, it's still going to be a much preferable situation be better than, Andy than the Bears. And I see no way in his own mind, like returning there is a good idea. But who knows? But yeah, get him now. His value is going to go up, especially if he goes somewhere else. And, and Mitch, let me just say this too. I, I'm betting the talent is still there. And I'm betting that what happened this year was all external factors, right? Like injuries, shitty coaching, poor quarterback play, like you know, him being the only like real focal point of that offense for, yeah. you know, the majority of the season. I know Darnell Mooney has been there, but 
it's a wash um, for him. It's a yeah. wash year for him. And that's not to discount that Mooney is like having a good year for himself. It's just like sometimes for players, it just doesn't go their way. This wasn't his year. I'm with you there. I, I still yeah. see the talent. I think the talent's still there. Here's what I'm going to say. Um, and, you know, maybe this is a cop out, um, but I just don't know. So I'm going to be really interested to see what Matt Harmon has to say once he charts Allen Robinson's routes, because Allen Robinson has been a reception perception star, you know. Um, so if there's been a little bit of a fall off, you know, we'll see what Matt Harmon kind of thinks of that, uh, whether that's due to injury or whatever. But especially if he's like Allen Robinson is still winning on 80 percent of his routes, then, you know, this 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 buy take is really going to have some weight behind it, in, in my personal opinion. But I just don't know right now um, what what I will say is that running that wide receiver 49 around DJ Chark and Christian Kirk. Yeah, go go buy him. <laughs> Trey question, though. So since you're targeting early in the offseason, what are you looking to spend on Allen Robinson? What are you looking to pay to get him on your squad if you're if you're contending next year? I've, I have Tyler Boyd a few places. I have DJ Chark a few places. I will absolutely send out one for one offers with those guys. And then, you know, maybe add in a couple other pieces to make the math work if I have to. But uh, yeah, if that's what it costs, then I'm all in on A-Rob at that, mm-hmm. at that point. And I feel like, uh, I don't think I talked about it with Terry McLaurin. I, I feel like it's a very similar situation where any of those wide receivers that are in that 18, 19, 20 20 range there um plus you know whatever i needed to do to sweeten up that deal i would love to just yeah. upgrade in my opinion so yeah no i know what you mean yeah okay all right i think a late second um is probably right around where he's valued right now and i would send a late second for alan Robinson. oh yeah definitely. Early, early second would be hard but a late second i think i would do it all right mic check it is halftime. why did you do it? You know you got the mad fat fluid when you rhyme. It's halftime. Okay, so we are still at 500 for the year, 32 and 32 overall. It's been a while since I gave our records, so I'm just going to run through them really quick. Uh, I'm 11 and 5 on the season. Mitch and Trey are both 8 and 8. Uh, Trey is on a four game hot streak right now. And John uh, is anchoring us a little bit at 5 and 11. But, you know, he's the last couple weeks he's been doing a little bit better. Right. You know, the for the you know, no no offense, John. <laughs> we love you, John. That was about uh, but, like the the faintest praise you could have possibly offered. I love it. He's doing better. I don't know. I, guess. I don't know what to say. Five and eleven is pretty bad, but uh, we, but we still so love him. Five hundred that we still got two weeks. You know, if we can go, you know, somewhere in the range of I don't know, maybe eight no over the next two weeks, we'll be looking pretty good. Um, so let's kick it off, uh, for a reminder, our halftime, uh, every week during the season, we've been picking a game against the spread for the upcoming week. And, uh, I've been placing a a little low stakes parlay here in Illinois, uh, based on those four picks. So I will start with my first pick against the spread and I'm going Raiders plus six and a half, because at least for right now, they are playing Sam Ellinger. And uh, the Indianapolis Colts, Mitch talked about Wentz earlier. I suppose Carson Wentz has a chance to come back under the new extremely irresponsible NFL guidelines that are based on the new extremely irresponsible CDC guidelines. (laughs) But I mean, that's a lot of points if Carson Wentz ends up missing. And even if Wentz comes back, their O-line is decimated right now. 
And yeah, I know the Raiders have a, a good amount of COVID uh, positives on their team, but they have a decent pass rush and and their pass rushers are, are not on any kind of list right now. So Raiders plus six and a half against the Colts. That seems like bait to me, but I'm taking the bait. So, so, so with this game, uh, some of the books aren't even offering a line right now. So re- you were able to get this in at six and a half. FanDuel Sportsbook is, and I have already placed the bet. <laughs> yeah, right so. on, right on. Excellent, excellent. All right, all right, Mitch, give us your pick. All right. Well, we talked about them earlier. I'm taking the Bengals. They are plus five and a half at home, and they're playing Patty Mahomes and the Chiefs, home underdogs. It's a, it's a big game. That's it's probably the best game on the slate next week. Oh or yeah, upcoming here, and I'm excited to watch that one because I mean, that th- these are two playoff teams, and five and a half home dogs against the red hot Bengals just seems like bullshit to me. So go get them, rar, rar. <laughs> I like it, man. I like it. Uh, so I'll jump right in. Uh, I'm going to go Packers. Uh, they're uh, at home against the Vikings. They're six and a half point favorites. Uh, I love the the Packers in this line right here. I don't think the Vikings are very good at all. And I think the Packers are fighting for that one seed in the NFC. Uh, this will be in prime time. Uh, but I do think Green Bay is going to win at home by more than a touchdown here. So yeah, really like this six and a half point line. Well, the only thing that worries me about this line tray is the Minnesota sucks. Well, <laughs> the only thing that worries about me about this line tray is that the weather in Green Bay is supposed to be pretty frigid uh, this weekend. So I, like we could see, you know, a low scoring game. So I think you're right. The Packers should come away with this game easily, but it might be like a th- a 13 to seven game or something. Like yeah. That. That's my only concern, but I love it overall. All right. I, don't All right. Know. I mean, Packers arguably home in the snow. Yeah. Arguably that helps green Bay, right? Mitch. Yeah. I, I would say I'm with you there. Plus, I mean, I don't want to, I wouldn't want to tackle AJ Dillon or Aaron Jones or uh, man, Aaron Rodgers running the play action. We've seen, yeah, no, we've seen Adams just destroy in the snow too. No way. Now go pack okay. on this one. Yeah. Okay. Sounds like sounds like we're on board then. Uh, so I'll I'll go ahead and give John's pick, who's not with us. Uh, he got Eagles minus three and a half at Washington Football Team. So this is what he says: "Quote Eagles are in the midst of a three game winning streak, including one against the injury slash COVID stricken Washington Football Team two weeks ago. The Eagles can secure a playoff spot with some help uh, with a win this week." Meanwhile, Washington has lost three straight. They're out of the playoffs. Philly is 4-1-1 and against the spread in the last six games, so I'm taking the hot hand. Wow. John went the last six games against the spread. What do y'all think here? I think he looked up how to not fuck this pick up and <laughs> yeah. <laughs> went with this. I don't, I don't like it. I don't know. Uh, it, three and a half home team is Washington. No, I don't like it, but I don't, I wouldn't have touched this game. I don't, I don't like either team here. Yeah. I don't know if I would have touched it either, but I do think the Eagles are better than three and a half points against Washington. So I, I think John's going to get this one right here. So I, I'll, I don't hate it as luck. Mish last week, we had uh, our unofficial pick number five as the Titans being dogs against the 49ers. And they did beat the 49ers. Um, I will say 
Uh, Titans minus three and a half against the aforementioned Dolphins in their subprime mortgage crisis winning streak. Uh, I really like that this week, too. So what do you think about making that our unofficial pick number five again? I think it's well, uh, it's got to be. And not only that, for those reasons that we talked about it earlier, but I think John's first original choice before we tried to talk him out of it was the (laughs) Dolphins. What? Plus three and a half against the Titans. Yeah. Yeah. Fuck, John. Yeah, I don't like I try really hard to not when when we put our picks on the show doc to like not give an instant reaction because I want everybody else to like be confident in their picks. But when John initially said Dolphins plus three and a half, I was like, ooh, (laughs) yeah, yeah, not a fan. Tarek, why don't you sum it up here for the listeners? All right. Thank you, Trey. Uh, We are going, my pick, Raiders plus six and a half against the Colts. Mitch has got Bengals plus five and a half against the Chiefs. And then Pack, uh, excuse me, Trey has the Packers as six and a half point favorites against the Vikings in Lambeau. Finally, John's got the Eagles as three and a half point favorites on the road in Washington. I say it every week, but I mean it this week, guys. 4-0. This week's the week. Or 5-0. All right. <laughs> or 5-0. Go go tits. Let's kick off this second half. Uh, so we got two more segments here. In this first segment, we're going to kind of transition from the last segment of the first half. And instead of early offseason buys, I want to talk about players whose value is primed for a decline um, in the early off season, and you can kind of take this in any direction that you want. So maybe you think a player's value is about to decline. So you want to get out early in the off season, or maybe you think that player's value is worth holding through that decline or even buying post dip. Um, so, you know, I'll go ahead and start on this one. And my player I want to talk about is Mike Evans, because I think his value is primed for a decline here in Dynasty. So I am a longtime Mike Evans truther. He's honestly one of my favorite NFL players. I just think he is a baller. I think he gets a lot of hate because of his inconsistency, which in my opinion is is kind of bad faith. I think most receivers not named Cooper Cup or Devontae Adams are pretty inconsistent. And I I think Mike Evans kind of, if you look in a macro sense, has been the model of consistency through his career. Now, he's ending 2021 with a COVID and hamstring combination Pizza Hut and Taco Bell. So that's not fun. And then he's going to turn 29 right before 2022 starts. He's wide receiver 21 on Keep Trade Cut right now. But I think that's going to dip closer to about wide receiver 30 when the dust settles and new players from the rookie draft come into the fold. I think he's going to be a buy for me there because I'm expecting two more seasons of top 20 production. And this kind of harkens back to the conversation that Trey and I had a few weeks ago about the declining value of aging players in which through Adam Harstad's research, we suggested might not be an efficient allocation of resources in terms of like buying aging players. So I'm kind of going against that here because we also said to pick your guys that you think would buck the trend. And I think Mike Evans has outperformed expectations almost every year of his career. He's wide receiver 14 in PPR points per game in this year and last year. And he left with injury a few times over the last two years. So that's a bit depressed. 
And then in 2019, he was wide receiver five in PPR points per game. Now, Mike Evans, he's not really considered a PPR guy, but wide receiver five. I think it's fair to assume that he continues for at least his age 29 season, if not more, to give that top 20 value. Yeah. And Tarek, you mentioned he's not really a PPR guy. And I think that that's why year after year people hate on Mike Evans and why he gets uh, faded a little bit by people, including myself, uh, because so much of his fantasy production does come from touchdowns that, you know, people go and chase the volume that comes from targets which is more predictable, it's more sticky. And Mike Evans has just proven he's got this superhuman ability to just get open in the end zone and, you know, make that impossible catch that other receivers can't make because he's, you know, six foot five and 230 pounds and a freak athlete. So um look, I, I guess my question for you is what are what is your recommendation for the listener? Like is Mike Evans like somebody that we should go out and and buy or somebody we should hold on to if we're uh if we're, we already have him on the roster. I think he's just a player that I would be looking to hold. And then once he reaches that wide receiver 30, 31 value that I'm expecting him to dip to, just given his age and the fact that we're going to get new players in the fold, like that's going to be around players like Kadarius Tony, yeah. Darnell Mooney, Amon Ross St. Brown, right, with his recent ascendance. Like Rondale Moore. Yeah. That's going to be the neighborhood he's going to be in. And he's going to scream bye to me once he gets there. I love that call. I love I love that call. Kadarius Tony, Rondale Moore for Mike Evans straight up. I think that's a great move for somebody who's trying to contend next year. Well, I also I think the wait is is worth it for a lot more reasons that we haven't even talked about. Like, who knows what's going to happen with the Buccaneers? Who knows what's going to yeah. happen after the Super Bowl, if Tom Brady even makes it there, if he wins it, if he retires, blah, blah, blah. God wins out next year for the most part. So, uh, I, he, I mean, Godwin could come back for the, but... for the most part of next year, he's, he's going to be absent. And Mike Evans is like the de facto number one, despite Tom Brady, maybe leaving Gronk, maybe leaving, uh, Bruce Arians, Antonio Brown might leave. Yeah. Like, there's a lot of he, question marks there for but, sure. But Mike Evans is the, the constant there, right? We've seen him perform well with other quarterbacks too. So if anything, with all those negative things happening, I agree with you. I think his value is going to keep on dipping. So the closer to the offseason, like say the, the Buccaneers go out with a bang, like his value is going to be up for a while. So kind of got to let him simmer for a bit, right? Yeah. And Mike Evans, he's signed through 2023 on an extremely friendly deal, right? Yeah. So I, I don't think he's in danger of being moved on from, right? So that in Dynasty, that bears, you know, some attention. Like he's going to be there no matter what. I like it. All right, uh, uh, Trey, let's move on to your player that you think might see a value dip in the early offseason. Yeah, so I definitely struggled with this question when I was uh, doing my prep work for this uh, for this pod because uh, it's kind of easy to think about guys that I expect won't perform as well next year, but it's kind of harder to you know predict what I think the market's going to do. So one of the dudes that seems like his value is a you know prime to drop off pretty soon here is Damian Harris, running back for the Patriots. He just had a 28-point game this past weekend, which is great if you had him on your playoff roster. He was running back four on the weekend. Uh, so that bumped him up to uh, running back 25 on keep trade cut. So that value is about four spots higher than where I currently have him. 
And what I could see going into this offseason is I could see this narrative where people start looking at Ramondre Stevenson, the other running back on the roster, and saying like, okay, well, maybe he should actually be valued higher because he's the younger, the bigger running back, and he's the pass catcher in that same backfield. So there's probably also going to be a few rookie running backs that are going to get drafted that'll probably come in and slot higher than that running back 25. So I think that'll push uh, Damian Harris down even further. And I guess opposite to your take here on Mike Evans, I don't really see a good value on Damian Harris. He's somebody that I think I would try to move on uh, from now before his value uh, continues to drop, uh, especially because I do think you are about to get another big game out of him uh, against the Jacksonville Jaguars this weekend. So if you get the opportunity to sell while that memory from you know this weekend and last weekend are still fresh in uh, the Damian Harris manager's mind, uh, he's currently on keep trade cut going in the same range as guys like Leonard Fournette and Ezekiel Elliott. And I would absolutely go for either of those guys in that same range if I could flop or, or if I could flip Damian Harris for either of those guys straight up. Yeah. And don't forget, we still have the playoffs, too. And the Patriots look to be like they might be fooling around a bit in the playoffs. So yeah. we might see a little bit more from Damian Harris as well. And at, with the Patriots, I've said it since day one. You know, if, if you want a Patriots running back on your dynasty team, so be it. But like... Not really my thing unless I'm trying to complete the set because it's more of the flavor of the week there. So uh, I do like Damian Harris as like if his value lowers, but currently that's a little too high for my blood as well. So, yeah, but I agree. I think he'll he'll simmer a bit in the offseason because Ramondre does look good. And who knows, man, maybe they'll pick somebody else just uh, in the offseason just to mess with our minds. Yeah, it's the Patriots. That's what they do. I agree with everything that's been said here. So let me just say shout out to uh, Kevin Sims, who I, I, I told to start Javante Williams over Damian Harris this past week. Uh, that was clearly the wrong call. So <laughs> did he do it? Sh- uh, yeah, he, I'm pretty <laughs> nice. sure he did. So yeah. sh- shout out, Kevin, my bad. Um, but, you know, it's ultimately your decision and thus ultimately your fault. <laughs> All right, Mitch, uh, who is the player that you think is going to lose some value here in the early offseason? I think it's the guy that loses value every offseason and gets no respect. And that guy is Brandon Cooks. Oh, but yes. this time the dude is turning 29 at the start of uh, at the season next year. So he's most likely going to be playing for the Texans, unfortunately, for him. Uh, due to the money that they're about to shell out, I think it's uh, 12.5 mil. And from what I'm reading, it doesn't look like it's in anybody's interest to cut him. So another year in hell. Texas, Houston Texans. Yeah, I, I just want to say like 12 and a half million for Brandon Cooks. I I would not be surprised if he lobbied for more. That is a, a bargain. Well, it's the last year of his deal and I don't I, I'm pretty sure he wants to get out of there. So I don't I don't know, man. We'll see. But not the point here. The Texans are going to be changing a lot over the offseason. Uh, new players, new coaches, new receivers, new people to get hyped up about. And Brandon Cooks, I'm guessing, is going to be just kind of not in that sort of category, not the new flashy toy in Houston. But he's been low-key kicking ass this year. Like, he just recently posted an 11 and a 10 target game back-to-back before getting COVID and missing last week. Um, he Keep trade cut his Cooks at wide receiver 38, despite him being wide receiver 18 on the season and wide receiver 20 in points per game. 
And I expect that number to drop a little bit in the uh, in the offseason, that his uh, wide receiver 38 status number. I mean, I think it's going to drop a bit and he's going to fade a bit because with the Texans changing and him just kind of staying there unnoticed, uh, people are going to be sleeping on him. Yeah, Mitch, I, I mean, you're 100% right. Like his value is going to do the same thing this offseason. It's done every offseason for the last few years. So uh, this is a great call. Uh, he's just one of those guys who just continuously outproduces his uh, ADP every single year. So it's interesting to me kind of what is going to happen in Houston, because I expect that, um, that, you know, the quarterback position is definitely gonna be a big question mark. We might see Davis Mills again next year, you know, and Mills has kind of shown that he's, you know, willing to target. He's a big cooks fan. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, so I don't know. I mean, I think if you could get him as bench depth going into next season at a discount, like what you're saying, uh, that's probably a good move for a contending roster for sure. Yeah, and you know, I don't want to take too big of a victory lap here, but I will say over the course of the offseason, I was a big Davis Mills uh supporter. So uh pleasantly surprised that he's big? Yeah, no, big. I, I was telling Huge. everybody to draft <laughs> I was telling everybody to draft Davis Mills at the end of their second round in like, their Superflex drafts. So forget Trey Lance, get Davis Mills. That's what that's what Tarek was saying. No, I mean Yeah. He he wouldn't be wrong. All right. Woe is the person who takes a a victory lap on the Long Game (laughs) Dynasty podcast uh, regarding Davis Mills. But yeah, you know, on Brandon Cooks, I just want to say really quickly, it's kind of fascinating. The narrative around Brandon Cooks was always that he benefited from these amazing quarterbacks, right? It was Drew Brees, and then it was Tom Brady, and then it was Jared Goff when Jared Goff was actually producing for fantasy. And the inverse was like, if only Allen Robinson could have uh, Brandon Cook's, you know, quarterback situation. Yeah, right. Allen Robinson's quarterback situation improved and Brandon Cook's quarterback situation has deteriorated. And hey, look who's still producing wide receiver two numbers. It's yeah. very interesting. It's interesting. So, uh, the other interesting thing to me is that we picked three guys this episode. We picked A-Rob, Mike Evans, and Brandon Cooks, all of them nearing their 29th birthday here, right? And so if you... Interesting. If you ask me right now who has like the best chance at like a wide receiver one season for next year. I wouldn't say Brandon Cooks. I would go with A-Rob or or Mike Evans here. But, you know, Cooks, I think, is definitely valuable bench depth for a contender. Right, right. Who do you think you would pay the least for? Uh, Brandon Cooks? Well, I don't know. Probably A-Rob. I guess, yeah, I guess Allen Robinson is literally valued lower on keep trade cut right now. So so. I think Trey thinks he wins. Trey, you win. You win. Congrats. (laughs) What was you for victory lapping? <laughs> I guess what's what's the question here? I guess like I think A Rob's ceiling is higher than Brandon Cooks, but you know maybe the lower probability of success there. Right, know. right. Yeah. I think I think that's fair. Okay, so uh, quick recap: the players that we think whose value is primed for a decline in early off season, uh, and whether that's a buy or not, kind of depends on the context. Damian Harris from Trey, Brandon Cooks from Mitch. And I talked about Mike Evans. All right. So this last segment of episode, this weird freestyle episode, number 36 of the long game, uh, we talked about the wagon offense, the Bengals in the first half. I want to talk about a wagon that we thought would be, but never quite materialized. And that's me and Trey's Dallas Cowboys, right? Because Mm -hmm. based on what Dak did in the first four or five games of 2020, you know, this looked like it was going to be a, a, a crazy, 
you know, volume season for the Cowboys and their offensive weapons. But, you know, the volume has gone down and the defense is a lot better than expected. So let's just do a quick overview of this Cowboys uh, offense here. Dak Prescott had his best game of the season uh, against the Washington football team. I talked about him being a buy a few weeks ago, contingent on him continuing to struggle. And that window may have closed a bit, but what's our expectations for Dak moving forward, Trey? Yeah, I think he summed it up well, right? Like the volume decreased and the defense has been playing better. So, you know, things that were definitely within the realm of possibility kind of played out that weren't in the offense's favor here. But um, let's so through 14 games this season, because Dak missed a game, Dak has 3,900 passing yards, 29 touchdowns and 10 interceptions. So that's good for number 10 on the year in points per game at 19.7. So that's a little bit low that, you know, quarterback five six seven ranking that we all had him at you know through the course of the year but it's not terrible right it's the same range as guys like matt stafford and joe burrow who we've talked about but a big reason why he's fallen to number 10 on points per game is that he only has 126 yards rushing for one touchdown which is absolutely mind-boggling to me like i don't know why the cowboys coaches would completely take him out of the rushing offense entirely And I think that that has to improve next year. Like that is statue category production in the range of like Kirk Cousins and Mac Jones. So I still have him as my QB seven. I still think he's, he should be that top 10 dynasty quarterback that, you know, most of us have him at. And I think he'll do better than quarterback 10 next year, because I think they have to start involving him more in that red zone rushing attack and that open field, uh, you know, read option game that we, and freestyling that we've seen guys like, you know, Aaron Rodgers do in his prime. Like, you know, he doesn't have to be Lamar Jackson, but he can use his feet as a weapon occasionally and get you more fantasy points in your roster that way. I think any of us would have considered him like to be eased into that kind of offense after recovering from that leg injury there, but it just hasn't happened yet. And it makes you wonder if the injury has to do with it still or if it's just the coaching staff just not doing it uh i i don't know but it's enough for me to have had joe burrow pass him in my quarterback rankings so uh top 10 obviously yeah i think Dak's still in that top six or seven range but without the running uh he's he he's not in that top three top four conversation anymore without without the running he's essentially joe burrow but seven years older or what yeah, however exactly. old, much older he is, you know? Yeah, that's the, I was actually looking up what Joe Burrow's rushing stats are because he's, uh, he's, he hasn't been running as much as maybe we expected after that injury. So they're both coming off really serious injuries, but you know, Trey, uh, Trey brings up a good point, right? Joe Burrow is several years younger and he's looking the, the, he's looking like a better passer right now than maybe Dak has ever looked. Right. So um, I think I think it's completely fair to want Joe Burrow over Dak Prescott. Now, I will say uh, I, I did say on the last episode that I didn't want to start Dak. I think this is a, a callback to that. Now, uh, he did pretty well last week. I, I will say he, he did pretty well. So, but yeah, we also advocated for Tyler Huntley Correct. over Dak Prescott. 
and Tyler Huntley didn't play. So we'll never know how Huntley would have done. Now, right? to be to be fair here, I, I wasn't saying start anybody over Dak. Now, I ended up starting Dak in a lot of leagues because I wasn't able to secure a good start over him. So and I did pick up Huntley and stuff like that. But anyway, I'm walking it back here. Maybe not the best call last episode, but uh, it, it does at the same time show exactly what we were saying is that like, you know, Dak is still that guy moving forward. He's still. Well, and he, yeah. And here's the thing, too, is he's been an effective and an efficient passer. I think he's uh, got nearly a 70 percent completion percentage on this year. So he's been really effective with the arm when he's had to be, uh, you know, that luckily that defense has, you know, saved them a lot of weeks. So they haven't had to rely on that offense as much. But we know that, you know, within that range of possibilities, there is more offense that we could potentially get uh, out of the Cowboys going into next year. Dak is a baller and it was wonderful to see him back in his bag last week because I agree like yes he's been a good passer this year but he's had some weird throws yeah he's had right? some bad weeks so for it, sure. it was amazing to see him get back to being that in his bag Dak but anyway uh my Cowboys fandom aside let's talk about the receiver room for the Cowboys because you know, this is kind of an anecdote, but I thought something interesting happened last week against the football team. Like CD Lamb wasn't in on two receiver sets and he played deep into garbage time with the backup. So I'm wondering if he's he's being punished for something. I don't know if y'all have any thoughts about that, but as, aside from that, Amari got kind of a squeaky wheel game. He was complaining about the targets he wasn't getting. And I and I got to imagine that Michael Gallup moves on in free agency. So we can all agree CeeDee Lamb is an elite option, top five dynasty receiver. But what about the other two guys, Mitch? What about Amari Cooper and Michael Gallup? Yeah, I don't I don't think any of us care what's going on. Coaches do weird shit with players. N- no worries yeah. with CeeDee Lamb here. None at all. Um, yeah. But okay. Amari Cooper, uh, he's an intriguing player. He, If I can pay like wide receiver two prices to acquire him, I'm, I'm kind of into that still. I, I think that he's going to be the... The wide receiver two in Dallas next year, uh, with Gallup likely leaving in free agency, and whoever Dallas decides to bring in, if anybody, um, I don't see him taking over Amari's role there. I do think it's kind of funny we argued earlier this season whether it would be Lamb or Amari, but uh, no victory laps on this show, right, guys? I I, I think <laughs> I think that's not allowed. Hey, take um, a victory lap on uh, CD Lamb, <laughs> just not on Davis Mills. Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, but wide receiver 26 is where he's uh, where Amari Cooper's at on keep trade cut. And that seems reasonable. Price seems quite reasonable. I think I would pay that price to acquire him. Um, if I'm trying to go for it next year, he's still young enough for me to want on my team. But Gallup, uh, no, nah, I don't know. Before you go on to Gallup, before you go on to Gallup, Mitch, yeah. uh, some of the guys going in the same range as Amari Cooper right now on keep trade cut are Chase Claypool calvin ridley and deandre hopkins and i would take all three of those guys over amari cooper at this point like i had amari cooper on way too many rosters this year i feel totally burned by the guy mitch you called this in the offseason so it's kind of funny that i'm like catching up to it Mm -hmm. uh several months later but i just don't see the top 10 upside the top 12 upside with amari cooper that those other guys possess like i would much rather get calvin ridley or deandre hopkins guys that have done it before and I think could reasonably do it again than Amari Cooper, who I think is just talent limited to where he's always going to be in that 20% target share 
wide receiver two range going forward. And that's not the kind of receiver I want on my roster anymore. No, but eventually that kind of receiver has their price. And so I think with people coming back to like coming back to earth on Amari, I, I think that his price is going to continue to go down and I'll be able to get him on my that, team. That that's way. fine, dude. But the, his price right now on keep trade cut is the same as Chase Claypool, Calvin Ridley and DeAndre Hopkins. And, and I would take all three of those guys over Amari Cooper right now. Yeah, I mean, this is a little bit of a difference between like, okay, his his price is maybe a little bit lower than his floor, but Trey's kind of chasing the asymmetric upside that he doesn't see with Amari Cooper. So it's a little bit of like a two different conversations and what you prefer to do. Um, I think what's interesting to me, and this is completely narrative based and doesn't mean anything. So, you know, skip forward 30 seconds. But I do think it's interesting that Amari Cooper is one of those players that can complain that he's not getting targets and then get targets right that's interesting to me i think like moving forward it speaks to the fact that he's gonna have big games right um and he's still young all right so this is what i said about him in the offseason i still feel the same exact way about amari cooper it's that He's good, and when a team game plans around him and he is the focal point of whatever they're trying to do, he performs incredibly. But whenever he's just a piece in an offense, he like he just starts picking daisies on the field and doing weird shit and like not finishing plays and yeah, and just disappears for weeks at a time. But once you can accept that, like if you can plug him in, if you can feel when that game is gonna be, and I know that's hard to predict when he's gonna go off, but. I mean, or if you can put him in as your flex and you can withstand that game, right? right? And like he does have value. And like, again, I'm glad that it's declining. So now he might be a guy that I start to roster more. Yeah. Okay. I mean, look, like uh, another classic guy like that was Tyler Lockett, right? Who always had his like huge ups and down weeks. I don't think Amari Cooper's highs are as high as Tyler Lockett's weeks are. I know he's younger. Um, but I would almost prefer a guy like that at this point who's significantly cheaper than Cooper is. Mm. Interesting. Okay. Well, uh, you gestured toward Michael Gallup, Trey. So what do you think about Michael Gallup and his value kind of going into the offseason? Uh, I think we're probably going to see maybe a bump uh, because I think some team's going to give him $12 million a year. <laughs> Didn't you say earlier, like when we were uh, before the episode started that he was up to like 34 on keep trade cut? Yeah, 34, 30 wide receiver, 34 on keep trade cut is manifestly insane. Let, let's just guys, Oof. that's a screaming sell. Yeah, like this is a guy who has never proven he can be a top 24 receiver and you're like inching into that range of value. So, uh, yeah, I'm I'm selling at that value for sure. Agreed. Yeah. <laughs> Sell right now because that va- that value is going to go down too. like we're going to yeah. get more players into the fold like Michael Gallup's value is going to go down and then it might jump back up when he gets a deal. So you have to identify right now is a good time to sell and then right after free agency yeah, is a good time to sell. I was right. going to say, there is a chance that it goes up. There legitimately is. Like, if he lands on a dream 50, team, 50 shot. like, if he lands on a dream scenario where... Yeah. I, if he gets signed by the Chiefs for $12 million a year, it's, gonna, it's his value is going to explode. He's either going to the Chiefs or the Jets. Yeah. <laughs> he can hang out with Corey Davis and friends. It'll be great. Yeah. Yeah. Sell at 30. All right. Uh, so we... T- that- yeah, we talked about these receivers. I mean, there's also Cedric Wilson and Malik Turner there or whatever. I mean, cut them. I don't care. Um, Mitch talked about Ezekiel Elliott as a playoff push by a few weeks back. So how are we feeling about Zeke ahead of the finals? And and Pollard, on the other hand, he looks great with every touch. But 
Is he just kind of a perennial handcuff? Trey, what do you think? Yeah, so I mentioned Zeke earlier when I was talking about Damian Harris because Zeke has dropped down to running back 24 and uh, Harris is at running back 25. I would clearly go with Ezekiel Elliott and the top 10 upside there over Harris. Uh, I know that Pollard has kind of eaten into the usage a little bit over this year, right? And he's looked good with the limited snaps, but Tony Pollard has never in not one game this year had 50% of the snaps or more. So if you can get running back 29 value for Pollard right now, I think that that's um, definitely something that I would do because he is basically exceeding with very limited touches and, you know, being efficient as a guy coming off the bench, that is different from a guy starting a game and getting the majority of the touches throughout a game. So I I don't believe in Tony Pollard and, and that upside beyond running back 29. So I think Zeke's a value at 24. I'm selling Pollard at running back 29. You don't think it's going to change next year? You don't think the guard's going to finally change like people have been saying? Fuck no, right? Zeke is still got what? It could happen, but I won't bet no, on it. No, no way. Well, Zeke is running back six right now in PPR. He's doing Zeke things. That's that's what he does. Yeah, look, I am a fan of Pollard, um, but like what is going to happen on the field is that Zeke is going to continue to get a shit ton of snaps and a shit ton of touches, right? So you can bet on an injury to Zeke if you want, but Jerry Jones and Steven Jones, they're not going to give up on Zeke like maybe we think they should. They um, bet actual money on Zeke by paying him actual money for several years in the future. Exactly. Look, if you here's what I did in a league, and I think this is completely reasonable. If you can get Leonard Fournette for Tony Pollard plus a piece, like a second round pick, Leonard Fournette is going to help you so much more uh, next you're year. Stealing at that point. Like, I love that value. Yeah. So uh, and look, look at keep trade cut. Tony Pollard, like Trey said, is a top 30 running back. So I know Pollard has his truthers. Shout out to Jacob Sanderson. But uh, look, the what the Cowboys are going to do on the field is just never going to agree with what you think of Pollard. That's a a fact. I'm telling you, that's (laughs) that's a fact. You know, we can't legislate usage. We can't predict the future. But I. I'm legislating usage and predicting the future. If Zeke is healthy, like they're going to run him into the ground and Pollard's just going to get his, you know, touches, but it's, he's never going to do what you want him to do. Yeah. Okay. On that, uh, you know, extremely positive (laughs) note, uh, let's close out this episode of the long game dynasty podcast. It was a finals week freestyle guys. So everybody, good luck in the finals matchups that you made. And if you didn't make any, like I told Trey, there's always next year. That's right. Goodbye.